Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new edition of Conversation with Calvin, We the Species. Uh, and um, actually, chronologically, it's probably one of the last few days I'm going to wear uh, a polo like this because uh, we're approaching the middle of October. And that means autumn is really here and Halloween is a few weeks away. And so we're I'm sharing with you the chronological date of this interview with Carol Selleck. Carol is, is a returnee uh, to Conversations with Calvin because uh, a while back we did a, a feature uh, talking about Carol's book, Beyond Song, which is kind of an autobiography. Uh, I use the word kind of. She can explain that uh, later. Uh, uh, Carol's journey uh, coming from Newark is similar to my journey coming from Newark. This is the bonding that Carol and I share. Carol with the Rectors, I'm with the Rectors. Carol is an independent author. Uh, I'm an independent author of a book that's about two weeks away from being published. I don't mind doing a plug for myself. There's a tortoise <laughs> in my hair, a journey to spirit. Uh, that got rave reviews from Kirkus Reviews, a rich, resonant, and vividly imagined character study. And it got a Kirkus star putting me in the same league as The Help uh, and The Kite Runner. Um, uh, go figure. So uh, we have a lot of stuff to do. Uh, and again, Carol's journey coming out of the 60s, early 70s is part of my journey. And, and so the, the bonding and our, our journeys uh, are... are uh, are uh, inculcated with so much commonality. Uh, so I'm thrilled, and 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 we're here primarily to talk about "Play for Me, Peter." Uh, that's Carol's first foray uh, into the world of children's literature, uh, and we're going to talk all about that. Uh, I've read it, um, and, and and I loved the story. We'll talk about that too. Anyway, I'm. I'm done with my Johnny Carson opening monologue. Uh, and Carol, how about a uh, little bio of yourself and then we'll kind of jump into things. Well, as you said, I'm a singer songwriter and I was very actively involved in the late sixties and early seventies in the tumultuous times. And that was um, a very free time to be in your 20s, and it inspired a lot of music for me because women were just starting to be liberated, and the freedom of not having to get married right away and have children and be just like your parents, um, it was new territory and a lot of singer-songwriters uh, were writing about it, like Carol King, Laura Nero, Joni Mitchell, Carly Simon. And I was inspired by those women to write my own songs. I gravitated towards uh, women musicians who were also songwriters, even though Someone like Joan Baez and Ju Judy Collins, they both had beautiful voices and they were great interpreters. I really liked original material. And when I took a cross country trip to California from uh, my original, one of my original colleges at George Washington University, 
it, that's when I realized that I had to start writing songs. So I've always loved writing. And there were certain situations that happened to me and my close friends that bonded us. And um, it was so unique that everyone would say, oh, you have to write a book about this. This could be a movie. And I knew some, I didn't know which one of us was going to actually write the book. But um, unfortunately, one of my college roommates had passed away. And I just started like writing down every single thing that had happened at the time, because I guess I was the one, the self-appointed one who was going to write the book. And that's how Beyond the Song happened. Right. And um, I started each chapter with an original song that I wrote, and I sometimes still uh, sing and perform today. And um, it was an, an unbelievably gratifying experience, which I'm sure you know, and you're going to even experience more of that, where to actually be able to say, I am an author. It's one thing to say, oh, I write. But when you have the book and you can say, I'm an author, because as you know, there is a lot of difference between just writing it all down and then having the finished product. Yeah, we'll talk about that uh, <laughs> in my little list of things to talk about. While we're... Um, while we're just finishing your your bio, um, uh, and again, this is the simpatico, the the bonding. Um, you were a little bit of a hippie back in those days. Um, uh, um, you don't have to really go into that a lot, but you were something that I always wished I could have been. Because um, I was no, I uh, you know, looking back, if I could go back, do I have any regrets? I, I wasn't demonstrative enough I, I i was going to a professional school pharmacy you know we it was a professional part of the, the medical field so we were i i guess genetically we were conservative and i was conservative and i also had a pretty domineering mother but uh to have been that free spirit to have partaken and even even i never even you know i, I never even went to the village you know, I mean, I was in Maplewood. Uh, I was 30 minutes away by train. Right. Boom. I'm in the village. Never once went to Greenwich Village to hear Dylan or Peter, Paul and Mary uh, or Joan Bai or anybody. I just never did that. So my admiration for you, because you did it. And and then the other. So talk a little bit about that, whatever you want to say, uh, uh, that free spirit. And and then uh, I'm I'm always curious because I, I and we talked about this before we went on air. Uh, I'm always curious um, about people, both genders, and, and how they felt about that war in, in Vietnam because uh, it it consumed me for many years. So well, my friends and I and my boyfriends we were in Washington D.C. during all the protests. Wow. And it was exhilarating. And 
it just felt like the right thing to do. And I felt like I was in the majority, not the minority. Um, and I do write about that in Beyond the Song, being involved in a protest where I'm standing in front of the White House wow. and people are getting their heads knocked in. And then I just left. I just left because... I couldn't commit that much. I mean, I I had to protect myself, but I saw it with my own eyes. And um, I at that point, I was very rebellious, but everyone knew the war was like a total waste. It didn't stand for anything. Um, so I'm proud of the fact that I demonstrated against the war in Vietnam. And, and I write about it too. And 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 one of my objections to the war, uh, and I was just a college kid, was uh, I, I thought the war was being fought for America to save face. They didn't want to lose a war, and right. and and uh, I didn't think we could really win that war, uh, only because we're eight thousand miles away, and it's hard to it's hard to uh, operate a war when you're 8,000 miles away, which is why England lost the Revolutionary War. They were 4,000 miles away. It's it's hard to... Uh, but anyway, I, I don't want to... Well, I'll just say this. Two of the things that my father actually apologized to me for, because at first, and I wrote about this too, he was appalled that I was wearing bell bottoms, that only men were supposed to wear bell bottoms, and he was for the war initially. But by the end of the war, he said, it's all right for women to wear bell bottoms. Wow. And the war, he agreed it was not, we shouldn't have had that war. Yeah. Wow. So. He came full circle. Right. But during that time period, I mean, we were on spiritual journeys. There were drugs involved. Um, and one thing we, my friends and I never thought about was, oh, what kind of career are we going to have? We were liberal arts majors. I wasn't even an education major back then. It, nobody was a, into corporate anything. And it didn't even occur to us that, oh, maybe we should think about what we're going to do with the rest of our lives. So then after I dropped out of George Washington University, then I realized that I really loved working with young children. And that's when I went to Livingston and majored in early childhood and elementary education and got a Montessori certificate. So that's what my degrees were in. Um, I worked in some preschools for a while but then I met my first husband, Wally Selleck, and he was an incredible jazz piano player and an incredible piano teacher. And I had taken piano up until even college. And he suggested that I begin to give piano lessons. Wow. And that's what I ended up doing for 30 years. So I guess um, about for 10 years of those 30 years, I also decided to put together a preschool music program. And I went to various preschools 
and I, um, it was a kinder music program and um, it was movement and instruments and songs. Um, and I enjoyed doing that also. So I guess it was a logical step for me to want to write a children's book and a children's book about music, about learning piano and jazz and just introducing even the word jazz to children. And that's how I came up with Play For Me, Peter. Okay. Which was my next, which was <laughs> my next. So I read this um, uh, and, and I was so, uh, I was so deeply, deeply moved and, and, and you kind of explained you know, you know, how this, this came about. Um, uh, um, you, you, I, I thought the artwork was was precious. It was just great, great artwork. The story um, uh, I identify with tremendously, uh, and that's another one of our little bonding things, Carol. Um, uh, it's just a great story. So part of it is is your journey and your your piano, and and here you have uh, a, a little boy being taught Peter being taught to play piano by his grandfather. Precious. Uh, absolutely precious. And and there's some twists. There's some twists there. And so um and also so talk a little bit you know, a little bit about the plot, a little bit about the the infiltration of the the notion of grandparents here, how how poignant and tender that is. And and then you wrote a a, a song specifically for this at the end, right? Right. So this, I was inspired by my own experience when I was uh, very, very young. Uh, we lived in an apartment above my grandparents' apartment and they had a big old piano. And I started to take, I actually started to take voice lessons, but then I was, I want, I decided I want to learn how to play the piano. So I would go to their apartment and they were extremely supportive. Um, so when I wrote this book, I did think about how grandparents can be a big influence on children. And many times children from my own teaching experience may want to quit, but a family member sort of encourages them to keep going. And in this book, Peter's uh, grandfather is a very successful jazz piano player. And um, he enjoys hearing him. And then unfortunately, his grandfather passes away. And he wants to make his grandmother happy by being able to play the piano. But um, they can't afford lessons until he finds a hidden gift of money from his grandfather. Wow. And he's able, his grandmother takes him for music lessons. And his teacher, who I call Mr. Wally, in honor of my late husband, is very encouraging, but um, he doesn't want to just play like little baby songs. He wants to play like his grandfather did. And throughout the book, he really does work hard. He works hard. He sacrifices and 
um, he becomes very good. And um, at the end, it's kind of all worth it to him and his grandmother. Wow. Wow. And, and the song you wrote for this, Every Good Boy Does Fine. Right. It's to help children learn the notes and F-A-C-E spells face, but it's a fun way to remember the music staff and they can sing along. Um, uh, again, this is just such a poignant, it's such a poignant story, again, because I'm a grandfather. And, and so uh, it's such great identification. Um, you you have another one uh, in mind to, to come up? Right. My next one that um, is called Sing For Me, Sarah. I'm just putting the finishing touches on it. And um, I'll probably use the same publisher. And they're the ones who did the, um, yeah, illustrations blueberry illustrations and i have a song at the end of that one too <laughs> oh cool 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 um uh and and of course when this is done you'll come back we'll we'll talk about this uh uh your your journey with with sarah um so beyond the song and play for me peter they're all elements uh of you being an independent author, uh, which is a very uh, elite and precious and wonderful club uh, of which I'm part of. I'm right. an independent author and proud of it. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, talk a little bit about Beyond the Song uh, and, you know, your being uh, the journey to getting this published as an independent well, I was lucky to work with an editor in Princeton who guided me. And then I chose Book Baby Publishing because they were also very, their customer service was very accessible. Um, so I think for my first book, it was a good choice. As far and then I've been performing at libraries. I have a program that is women singer songwriters of the sixties and seventies, as like the ones I talked about earlier. And I perform Carol King and uh, Lauren Nero, Joni Mitchell. I talk a little bit about their their backgrounds, and then <clears throat> I throw in a few of my own original songs too. And uh, that's been a lot of fun, and I've really been enjoying that. The first one I did was actually for Women's History Month, which is March. So, um, and then I joined some independent author Facebook groups. I One thing about being an independent author, when your book first comes out, it's like the sharks are in the water. People are going to try to get you to go with their promotion company. And I made a few mistakes. I will agree to that. Now I'm a lot more careful. And every week, every week I get an email. Oh, from a different company, we can take your book to number one on the bestseller list. We can do this. We can do that. 
and you know they haven't even read the book. And the biggest, the biggest uh, shark was about a month ago. I got an email from this company called Green Dot Films. And they said to me, we would like to make an appointment to call you because we think that your book could be a movie, which is every author's dream. So I wrote back and said, well, as long as there's no money involved, okay, you can call me. So they did. And they said that I passed the first contest or whatever it was and that they had like this big pitch that they were going to give in October or whatever, but I just needed to write a summary of my book. And um, they even had a website that they took from another film company, but I didn't know this. I was very excited. So I went to visit my nephews in Maryland and their lawyers. And I was so excited. I was sharing the news. And then my nephew said, he emailed me when I got back and he said, whatever you do, do not have anything to do with this company. And he showed me how the website was pre-imposed on the other, on a real website wow. where the company had films in the wow. Irish Film Festival. And so anyway, it's just some, it's something that you can't really know ahead of time. You have to go through it and navigate. Yeah. Wow. By the way, you, you are educating me because uh, I'm at that precipice. You know, two weeks, uh, I'm going to be a published uh, author. Um, and and uh, you've just, you kind of lit my fire. You know, um, you know um, Jim Morrison. <laughs> yeah. Great line. Come and light my fire. Um, I always remember Jim Morrison getting kicked off Ed Sullivan. Um, oh really? I don't remember that. Well, uh, yeah, uh, they told him uh, he can't sing uh, on Ed Sullivan uh, that part about uh, getting higher. Oh. And, and they didn't want. And he sang it anyway. And at the end of that song, after they were off camera, Ed Sullivan said, "You're never going to come back on my show." To which Jim Morris said, "I don't care." Yeah, I bet. You know. Uh, um, because it, it was, uh, I mean, it was bad language, you know, for, for Ed Sullivan. I can't get much higher, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, so um, you, and, and reading uh, stuff you you, uh, you you sent me, and this was so interesting, uh, you being, you know, a, a teacher, uh, uh, and you mentioned the fact that there's armies and armies and armies of, of former teachers who've written children's books. Basically, every one of them had to self-publish, correct? Right. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to reveal my thoughts about the world of uh, organized publishing. Uh, I'll save it for when I'm on Jimmy Fallon. Okay. Or Jimmy Kimmel uh, or Stephen Colbert. Uh, um, uh, but... Uh, we, we uh, you and I, uh, are part of this special group of people, uh, you know, rugged individualists uh, uh, who. And, and by the way, this is just, this is just wonderful. It's such okay. a wonderful 
warm, real, because it's you, uh, story, and it's written so well, uh, and it could be a movie, you know, um, you know, I'm pretty open to those things, uh, and, and I don't think there's enough, uh, enough, because, you know, we're that generation, enough emotion, enough stories to be told about that period of time, because that period of time gave birth to, you know, uh, uh, the millennials of today, et cetera, et cetera. And for all you know, the whole world today is 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 related to that you know our our world and what we've handed down. And so elements of insight and story, I, I think, are so important. Um, but whatever, um, um, uh, but uh, I, I I I'm I'm just I'm, I'm amazed um, that there's so many. Uh, uh, independent uh authors uh, out there and and uh and you're really comfortable with that yeah because it's such a long process even if you get an agent and then you have to get a publisher it takes a few years and i was really really looking forward to starting to promote the book and do performances that go along with the book and just get to a point where you really want to see the finished product. Right. So I was told uh, at, at the outset of my, uh, as I was wrapping up writing uh, and beginning the, the editing process, but, you know, uh, we always think we want to uh, have an agent uh, and then get a publisher because it's prestigious. Uh, but I, I was told just what you just said, it, it would be like two to three years for like Simon and Schuster to put me into their schedule because they've got a busy schedule. Uh, so it's two to three years there. And and then Simon and Schuster says, you know, you're not Stephen King and you're not JK Rowling. So we have no budget for you. Go promote it yourself. So one yeah. way or another, Carol, we're doing it ourselves. Correct. Right. Right. And you, you're doing, um, you're doing uh, so. You're doing some book signings and readings coming up. Why don't you? Um, uh... Well, I have uh, with play for me, Peter. I have a book signing and reading this Sunday at the James Brew Cafe near me in Jamesburg. Okay. And then I don't know the exact date, but I just contacted. Uh, the Mammoth Mall and Barnes and Noble is going to have a book signing there. Wow, that's so great! Looking, yeah, that's so, great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Truly, um, they're all. I want to mention there is also an organization. I mean, there are a lot of organizations for independent writers, but there's one in New Jersey called IAB, is in Boy X. And they're out of Roselle Park. And um, they have a big gala and a big um, book, I guess, fair every year. They just had one in September. And then my book, my children's book wasn't ready yet, but they had their first children's book festival last June and it was a big success. Um, and then I was also interviewed on their site and the woman who runs it is extremely supportive, mainly independent writers in New Jersey. Wow. So I'm I, I live, 
Yeah, I highly recommend that. I well, thank you for this because um, I sit here. You can identify with this. I sit here frozen uh, most nights because I know in two weeks when they press the button and I'm, I'm you know, I'm know. published. It is one of the most. Uh, I feel, I, I feel like an ant, a red ant, about to climb Mount Everest. How daunting and overwhelming and maybe unachievable that to walk up uh, as an ant how long it would take and that's how i feel uh every day these last two three weeks knowing the realization that uh i got to do this myself because that's it you know and no matter what it, it would always be it would always be that way uh it, it it it's overwhelming so uh the admiration i have for you and what you what you're doing uh is, is tremendous and that's why you know we're here because of the the bonding that we have but I'm, i appreciate that lead um there's a couple of uh, questions but before uh i always like to ask this is a new one i didn't ask this to you last time but i'm mm -hmm. gonna ask this is a new question but it, it, it's a little provocative i like it and and i actually plagiarized it from a, a wonderful wonderful journalist um whose first name is barbara and, and i won't say anymore um oh. barbara walters uh, I, I loved Barbara Walters. Um, but anyway, uh, so here's the um, fill in the blank. You don't have to answer the whatever, but fill in the blank. Uh, before I leave this earth, I won't be happy until I blank. I won't be happy until I write another children's book. Perfect. Perfect. I kind of suspected, I kind of <laughs> suspected that. Um, the, the last uh, major question, um, you often talk about Rosemarie McCoy and the mm -hmm. influence. Uh, and, and, and why don't you tell us a little bit about Rosemarie McCoy and the influence? Wow. I actually, yeah, I have like a magazine where she was once on the cover. I don't know if you can see, it's an English blues magazine. Wow. And they did a whole article about her. Wow. Uh, and she needs to be recognized because she still has, she's a songwriter who was born in Arkansas, but came to the New York area, came to the Brill Building, started to have hits in the 1950s with people like Big Maybell, Louis Jordan. Then she wrote with Charlie Singleton. And she, oh, she got married. She moved to Teaneck. And she and Charlie Singleton had two hits with Elvis Presley. Wow. Um, and she never even heard of Elvis Presley when they told her. Wow. I beg of you and trying to get to you. Then Ike and Tina Turner recorded their first hit was written by her. I think it's going to work out fine. And then along the way, Jimmy Scott, Sarah Vaughan, uh, many, many famous people recorded her music. I mean, she probably has about a few hundred published songs. Wow. Nat Cole. I mean, uh, but the, there is a woman who is was a very good friend of hers named Arlene Corsano. And Arlene wrote a book about Rose. 
and it was called um, Thought We Were Writing the Blues, but they called it Rock and Roll. And they actually did um, a New Jersey, I think like an NPR type show about her. But Arlene, even though Rose passed away a few years ago, Arlene has tried very hard to get Rose inducted into the Rock and Roll, I mean, the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And for some reason, she was never inducted. It's wow. it's terrible. Wow. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a cause celebrity for you. Yeah. I mean, we were close friends and we wrote together and um, she was really an inspiration. She taught me a lot about songwriting. I have a, one or two chapters in my Beyond the Song book about her. <laughs> and um, well, you, you've lit my fire. Um, 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 uh, when I promote you, I'll I'll find some things to say about Rosemary McCoy. Um, because, uh, hey, you never know. It's throwing things on the wall, which I love right. to do. So you never know. So I'll I'll take up your course because uh, I truthfully never heard of her. I'm I'm, I'm not really a, a music aficionado. Uh, lately, better, but uh, there's things to learn. Um, so, um, we've come to the end of, uh, uh, number two, this is number two to be continued. I, I, uh, we say this, uh, when Sarah comes out, we'll, we'll get back to doing this. Um, uh, again, reminding people beyond the song and play for me, Peter, um, uh, 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 on Amazon. Yeah, and, and I it, it'll all be uh, all it'll all be there. I know it's on Amazon. I'll have the link which I generated myself uh, uh, with Bitly, and it's your special link for play from Peter. Um, please come back. Uh, I would love to. Yeah, please come back uh, uh, again. Uh, we there's so much bond here, you know, uh, the independent writer thing bond. Uh, uh, your first book, Beyond the Song, is similar to my tortoise. You know, it's coming. Yeah, out. I'm really looking forward to reading your book and following your journey. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I think you do a lot of identification with that, Carol. Uh, okay, we're coming out of the same. We're coming out of Newark. Yeah, Newark. We're coming out of Newark, when and we only lived a few blocks away from each other. By the way, <laughs> no, you know, that's I was right wild. by the hospital. Uh, and 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 so this. There's so many bonds, uh, there's so many filaments of commonality here. So uh, I'm thrilled, I'm thrilled to do this and and you and I will be in touch. Uh, we're going to stop recording. We'll come back. Uh, don't leave. We're going to two minute wrap. Uh, and, and this was great. Truly, um, this is great stuff. I, I love this stuff because it's, it's us, you know.